Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. How are you? You've caught me with a mouthful of oat cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's my snack. Uh, there's nothing oh, better for nice. me than an oat cake with butter, honey and chopped banana on the top of it. Have you ever had to that? To me, that sounds absolutely rank. Oh, Georgia! But, you know, each to their own, each to their own. Well, it's funny we should be talking about food <laughs> and our relationship to it. Um, before we get into the chat, because we are going to be talking about body image today with somebody pretty, pretty special. Just tell me in short how you are. How am I? Um, I'm good, actually. As of right this second, I feel really, yeah, like I'm, I'm not I'm not happy about the weather, but no. Gigi was two on Sunday and it's just, you know, like, it's so weird, like around kids' birthdays, I just look, do you do it? Like start looking back at photos and you think, oh my gosh, like look what's no. happened in the last two years. And then I feel really... Like really grateful because look at this podcast. Like th- I was even just looking back at that, and I remember we had our first sponsor a couple of days after Gigi was born. Yeah, and you and our old producer Imo came to my house. Gigi must have only been four days old, yeah. and we recorded that in like Axel's bedroom or something under some duvets. Yeah, and I just now it's just so different, and obviously now we do two a week and. Gosh, like just all of the amazing conversations that we get to have, yeah. just just feel really grateful. You've been a bit. Are you a bit nostalgic? I'm a bit nostalgic. Oh, oh we might get a tear out of you today. Do you reckon? No, that's gonna, no, don't, not don't go happen. too far. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you? I am slowly recovering from my intense massage neck injury. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've actually started my intense ten days at work, so I'm on early breakfast at the moment. Um, and that means I have to get up at one thirty in the morning and then try and function for the rest of the day. I've got to say, I love my job. I love radio, but this shift is hard. It's a hard one. So yeah, if I, if I, you know, if I fall asleep at the end of the podcast and just stay where I am, you'll understand why. Um, <laughs> otherwise I'm all good. I'm all good, but I'm really excited by this conversation actually, because I came off the recording and I'm sure you felt the same. Um, it sort of lit us up from the inside out, didn't it? A really yes. educational 
but super interesting conversation from somebody that we've we've really admired for a long time actually yeah and also around a subject that we are so conscious of you know Mm. how we raise kids to be body confident and happy and all of those things it it's really difficult and there is no one size fits all approach and there's so much that's been instilled in us that we need to like unpick and you know what it's just a really difficult thing to get right right. so I think yeah the more of these conversations that we have I mean slowly we can kind of take away those things that we've learned over the years that are Mm. not helpful Mm. I think it's one of the things if I'm going to be completely honest like I always am it will be the thing that destroys me the most for my children um, if I get this part wrong because I know that my mum had to, to help and guide me through an eating disorder. And if any of my children have an issue with eating, old body image confidence, I just, it will break me because for them, because I so want them. I have friends in my life who have amazing relationships with food as I do now. And the way that I look and feel is so much healthier than it was when I was in my twenties. So I just hope and pray that these conversations can educate us to really kind of set, set the bar you know, to like use the right language and listen to the signs and, you know, speak about various different subjects in the right way. That's all I want so that I can save them from that because it was such a dark period, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, as parents, we always want to protect our children from things that we've perhaps been through that haven't been great. Um, And I guess even more so for you, like you've lived that firsthand and yeah, I guess you feel more pressure. Mm. But I I mean, I haven't lived lived you know an eating disorder but I definitely have seen people around me live live that and also there's been times in my life where you look back and you think yeah that wasn't that wasn't healthy that wasn't a Mm. great that wasn't a great way to be thinking about my body or about food or about exercise um but yeah I don't know I just I think it's one of those things I really want my children to be healthy on the inside as well do you know what I mean I really do and and there's a real fine line between saying it doesn't matter what you eat and what you you know and how much you exercise um but also it does a little bit because your you know your body if it is a car you've got to put petrol in it you've got to to fuel it with the right things you've got yeah you've got to change the oil and there's certain things that you've got to do to maintain it so yeah I think we should I think we should get into it because it's a it's a fascinating one um Georgia who are we chatting to today today we are chatting to the incredible Molly Forbes Now, there are certain guests that we do get very excited about. Obviously, we love all the guests on the podcast, but today the conversation I feel is going to be absolutely wonderful. Uh, Today's guest, a campaigner, a writer, presenter, keep going, uh, a (laughs) co-host of Podcast Body Cons. Uh, She also founded the Body Happy organisation to promote positive body image for children. She is a mum to two little girls. Today, we are going to be talking to the brilliant Molly Forbes. Thank you so much for having me. Gosh, that makes me sound like I'm like literally never sleep. <laughs> it does actually. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> I do sleep. Yeah, I don't do everything at the same time, but I do generally often feel overwhelmed. And hearing that back makes me realise yeah. possibly why I'm overwhelmed so often. Yeah. yeah do you have those moments where you think I feel like I've bitten off more than I can chew, or do you love being as busy as you are? Uh, both. <laughs> 
So I love being really busy, but I all the time have moments that I feel like I've bitten off more than I can chew. But I yeah. don't see, I don't see a way around it really. So we just keep going, don't we? We just yeah. keep going Holding on. Yeah. <laughs> so you obviously talk a lot about raising body confident children, but how did you kind of get to this place, and what made you want to really campaign for it? Yeah. So. Um, so I've got two little girls and I think um, I always prided myself on thinking that I was aware of things like diet culture and, you know, I was like, I'm a feminist. I know, you know, I want my girls to like know that they're more than, you know, how they look and that they've got so much to offer the world. And I don't ever want them to feel like they're not, you know, perfect as they are or they need to show up and look a certain way. But rationally I knew that in my brain but I don't think I really really knew it and I found myself after my second daughter like getting involved in some actually potentially quite harmful habits that if I'd have carried on down that road it could have could have ended up in a bit of a dangerous place and I had a kind of a, a moment um, that I wrote about in my book. And I, I feel like I always talk about this moment, but it was really the pivotal thing for me when my eldest daughter, who was five at the time, um, she asked me why I was weighing spinach and I was doing like a, a diet. And I didn't even call it a diet. I said it was healthy, quote unquote, healthy eating. I was on a health kick. You know, that's what I, that's how I framed it in my mind. Cause even rationally then I knew that like diets weren't the one. Um, but I, it was a diet, like the intention, it was intentional weight loss. And I was trying to change the shape of my body. And I was doing things like, you know, getting up at 6am to do HIIT workouts and uh, really restricting what I was eating and weighing spinach and doing all this kind of stuff that actually on the surface might seem, well, what's wrong with that? Everyone does that. But actually the reality was, is that I wasn't um, doing it from a, pa- a place of self-care. You know, I had a newborn baby right. who barely slept. And I thought it was more important to drag my bleeding, leaking body through a HIIT workout that was actually probably like physically causing me pain than to rest, you know. Mm. Um, And I think that was all tied up with feelings of at the time, like a bit of low self-esteem. My life had changed a lot. I'd become a mum to two. We'd moved to a different place. I didn't have any time for myself. And I thought if I can get my um you know pre baby body back in some way i'll get my pre baby life back and it was my eldest daughter actually asking me why i was wearing spinach one night i was just making family dinner and i wasn't going to eat the same as what i was making for everyone else and she asked me why and i think in that moment i just thought mm, i don't really know to be honest mm. like how can i frame this for you in a way that i'm happy for you to you know would i be happy for you to be copying what I'm doing and that sort of led me down a bit of a a bit of a route to kind of exploring my own relationship with my body and Mm. I started educating myself and reading about this subject and reading about body image and as I start to fit started to feel better at that point I started to notice all of the things that were trying to drag me back again and all of the messages that were coming for me and then in turn all the messages that were coming for my kids and at that point I got quite angry and I thought "Mm, I need to do something about this I need to be part of this kind of conversation trying to push back at some of this um and that was that was really well what led me to what I'm doing now 
Wow. I mean, I could. I feel like I just want to shush and just listen to Molly talk. That was really powerful. <laughs> what was your upbringing like and what was your relationship like between food and your body and your sort of self-worth, I guess, growing up? How, how was yeah. that for you? So I grew up in um, a fairly progressive city. I grew up in Bristol. My parents were both secondary school teachers. They were both pretty like liberal, very in tune with, you know, our feelings and our emotions. And like the running joke is that my dad's from Brighton and he's, you know, like he's from like this really kind of like liberal artsy kind of background. And, you know, we, I think that growing up, I had loads of positive messages at home. I mean, I wasn't allowed a Barbie. I wrote in the book about, about not being allowed a Barbie because my mum who was like, you know, this kind of like feminist and and teacher was like, no, it's promoting unrealistic body types. I remember yeah. her actually saying that to me. And I was just like, I just really wanted a Barbie. <laughs> just yeah. a Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think my parents were actually pretty switched on and in tune with this stuff. And also being secondary school teachers, um, they were aware of the impact of, you know, unrealistic body ideals and you know, particularly how this impacts girls. And I've got a sister. So like me, they were raising two daughters. But I didn't grow up in a cave on top of a hill wearing a blindfold and earmuffs, you know, like I these messages came for me in just the same way that they come for everyone else. And I think what I wasn't necessarily so prepared for was how to sort of filter some of those messages. Mm. So I grew up in the 90s. um, And it was, you know, I I was I'm so I'm yeah, I'm 30 six or 37 gosh I don't even know how old I am I think I'm 37 let's actually. go 36 no, no, joking. <laughs> that's bad isn't it anyway I grew up in the 90s and um it was really kind of as a teenager I remember I started I was 1995 when I started secondary school mm. so it was you know Kate Moss um and then you know as getting older people like Nicole Ritchie, Paris Hilton, that was very much the kind of like shape. But at the same time, I, I was really into, I remember being really into indie music and I really had a crush on Damon Albarn from Blur and his girlfriend at the time was Justine Frischman out of Elastica, I remember. And I remember going to the hairdressers when I was like, I don't know, maybe 12 and getting my hair cut short and I wanted hair like Justine but I ended up with a hairstyle that was more like Chesney Hawks oh my god <laughs> like this is brilliant <laughs> and and so I had this like short hairstyle and but all the way through year seven and eight my nickname at school was little man the boys used to call me like these group of year nine ten boys they would see me from the other end of the corridor and they would shout down the corridor oh it's little man it's little man and I, I was quite under I was quite a late developer so I became really aware of my body around that kind of age, sort of 11, 12, and starting to feel like maybe I wasn't quite right. It wasn't quite, didn't fit how it should fit Mm. if I was going to kind of get this social kudos to look a certain way and be one of the popular girls or whatever. Um, And yeah, so although I had positive, mainly positive messages at home, although obviously the messages did slip through sometimes because my parents weren't immune to this stuff either and extended family members were often on diets and talking about diets and 
you know, talking about food in a certain way. So although it was mainly in positive, I think that I did grow up thinking definitely that there was a certain type of body that was the better type of body to have. Certain bodies are good bodies, certain bodies are bad bodies, you know, um, fat is bad, it's your fault if you gain weight, if you don't have, you know, the perfect body, there are things that you should do. It was all about kind of putting labour in to look a certain way and what can you get back if you look this way and this is ultimately the most kind of important thing that as a woman I had to offer the world and I really although I sort of fought against it I do think I genuinely sort of believed it in my soul even though rationally I could kind of question it I think I just I don't I think I felt I felt it it was like in my DNA somehow yeah I I remember you only had to look at like George and you're obviously in you know you were in this world of kind of um, marketing and magazines and you know we've all been part of it but even looking at some of the magazines that are around in the 90s you know with that sort of diet culture and who they put on the front covers and Kate Moss coming out with nothing tastes as as good as skinny feels and all that like you said even if your positive messaging was coming from home it's very hard to understand as a girl of that age or, or you know a young man of that age to be like hang on a minute what what am I supposed to be taking in here what are the parts yeah. I'm supposed to be filtering out because it feels like a barrage of it you know the minute you step outside your home you've got all the other conflicting messaging and it's 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 really full-on I mean anybody that gets through that period and doesn't and doesn't come out untouched I think is in the minority yeah and you know what even just saying oh you know in the 90s Kate Moss was the body icon and you look back even just over the last like 30 years you couldn't possibly conform to all of those different shapes like that right now we everyone wants to have a big bum and a small waist well if Mm. you look back in the 90s that would have been like a bad body and I think it's very easy for us you know as women in our 30s to think oh that's you know that's crazy but Mm. how can a teenager who's going through puberty like at different rates to their friends even begin to understand that that's that's crazy it's so it's so easy for them to get drawn into that like you say even if they've got their head screwed on even if they've got people at home saying that's crazy it's just it's everywhere it's absolutely everywhere but how on earth are we gonna change it I think it's um conversations you know like conversations like this and I like to think of it as a bit like a ripple effect like in a stream because if I think of if I take a step back and and look at the bigger picture I get totally overwhelmed and I think well what's the point we're never going to change anything but actually if you look at just how the change in conversations have been just in the last five years you know we're having different people on covers of magazines you know the fact like that that. Cosmo cover Mm. in January was was Mm. great you know we are reframing the way that we talk about health we're becoming more aware of all the many different um, things that impact our weight for example that are totally beyond our control and this is really important and it's really good but unfortunately there are so many industries that have so much to gain by us and our children not feeling peaceful and friends with our bodies that they're not going to let us go without a fight so I think it's about being aware of a lot of this stuff, being aware of the messages and maybe exploring how we might ourselves be inadvertently perpetuating some of these ideas. 
from a place where we think, you know, it's like a, a place of, of kindness or positivity. But some of these messages that we are, you know, getting involved with sending our kids are actually when we really like go into it, they're not that helpful. They're not helpful when it comes to body image, yet particularly the way that we talk about health um, and food. And I think that just raising awareness and having conversations. So um, one of the things that I really love about my work is that I get to, I, I run workshops for teachers and all sorts of different people that work with kids through Body Happy Org. And when we do these workshops or do these talks, or, you know, I hear from someone who's read my book, for example, like it, it makes me realize the power of these conversations and the power of just showing another perspective, because everything is so nuanced, isn't it? Like nothing is clear cut, nothing is straightforward. But unfortunately, we've got to this place where social media often makes things seem really simple and things seem really clear cut. And so we think- Like if you drink this tea, sorry, if you drink this tea, you will look like this. And we see it, don't we? It's like, that's that's as clear cut as it gets. It's like, do A, get to B, you'll look like C. Yeah, exactly. Um, But also even things like the way that we the way that we think about health, the way that we think about body size, the way that we think about like what is healthy, what's healthy eating, for example, all of this stuff. We think we know like, you know, eat lettuce is good for you. Eat chocolate is bad for you. You know, being a certain size, you know, a larger weight is automatically bad. Thin is automatically good. Like often these kind of like real binary ideas of of what health looks like can actually really impact how little kids even kids as young as three feel about their body so I think when it comes to teenagers um my kind of take is that we need to not we don't need to just put this off until our kids are teenagers we need to start giving them the messages right from when they're toddlers and and you know be thinking about the way that you know we're talking about this stuff ourselves and some of the behaviors that we're role modeling in front of our kids and how we're you know having these conversations with them um and then also for teenagers just giving them some tools to question what they're seeing and have conversations and being Mm. be kind of critical thinkers and be inquisitive about it Um, but ultimately I don't even think it's about I mean I love all the work that's going on to kind of raise awareness of filters for example yeah there's some brilliant work being done around media literacy saying to teenagers you know this is this how can you spot if a celebrity that you love on Instagram is always using filters on their pictures or you know whatever you know how can we spot if people are editing their photos that's really important it is really good but ultimately Mm. I think we need to go deeper than that I think we need to be telling teenage girls particularly but actually kids of all genders that even like actually the thing that the way that you look is the least interesting and important thing about you yeah oh my god yes yeah and let's look at some other ways that we can value people and ourselves that are away from this you know even if you know that that person's editing their pictures and you know that that person doesn't really look like that in real life we're still saying to people oh well it doesn't matter because you know they don't really look like that we're still saying the way you look is look is, is important. important yeah you know so I think it's about yes we need to do that but we also need to just like let's just move away from the way people look <laughs> and start valuing things you know other things we Zoe and I've had this conversation before and it's a difficult one to balance, I think. So 
we talk, you know, we're always like, oh, the baby's beautiful. Oh, you look so beautiful. Oh, you're so handsome. You know, all those things. And, and it's just natural. It rolls off the tongue. Oh, look at your gorgeous cheeks, you know, when they're little. And so do we just not comment on the way they look? Because we've obviously, we've had conversations around friends who've never been told that they were beautiful. So they grew up thinking, thinking that they were, they ugly. were ugly. Yeah. So it's like, do we just not comment? Do we comment a bit? Like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I wish I could say that, that definitely, you know, my way is the right way and this is what you have to do and give you a manual. But it's complicated, isn't it? I don't yes. think that there's necessarily a straightforward answer. The way I can tell you what I do and I can tell you the way I approach it. And this is based on a lot of the research that I've read and a lot of the kind of experts and, and the academics that I've interviewed. Um, and so I have two kids who are really different in temperament. And my youngest, she's six and she is obsessed with picking outfits. And, you know, she was always like posing in front of the mirror and dancing. And she's so confident in the way she looks. But that concerns me because I kind of feel like don't objectify yourself. You know that like the way that it's great that you really love the way you look, but also you know that that's not the most important thing about you. Um, and that kind of worries me because actually what we know about body image is that um, so the way that researchers measure it, they look at two things. So they look at body satisfaction, which to kind of put it really, really simply is likely what you see when you look in the mirror. So kind of being satisfied with your external appearance. And then they'll look at body appreciation or body functionality is another thing that often gets thrown around. And that is essentially really appreciating what your body can do and really kind of living in the experience of your body. When it comes to body image, we know that with kids particularly, um, but with adults too, if we can really focus on body appreciation, body functionality, zoning into how our body feels in a moment and really appreciating what it does for us and how it allows us to live our life, that is great for body image. We know that people who, even if they score really high on body satisfaction surveys and they really like the way they look, they don't necessarily have positive body image because they're putting all their worth into that kind of appearance basket. Mm. And actually our appearance does change and it fluctuates and the ideal body always changes. You know, you, you touched on it before that the, that ideal shape always changes. So it might be Kate Moss one decade, it might be Kim Kardashian another, and you can never keep up with that. You know, it's a constant work and constant you know um thing to kind of have to be thinking about so actually if we really focus on body appreciation so with my kids I kind of think you know if my if my my six-year-old will often say do I look nice and I'll say you look lovely but it's not your job to be pretty you know it's not your job what is what is it not your job to be and she'll say pretty you know so if I'm giving her that's like when I've been forced when I feel like I'm backed yes. into a corner yeah but if I'm giving her a compliment, I will always say something, you know, like, you know, you're so brave, you're so kind, you're so clever. Yeah. I love the way that you've done this. However, that doesn't mean that we can't comment on people's appearances, but trying to comment on the things that they've chosen rather than, you know, because if you think like an outfit, for example, my youngest loves putting together outfits. So rather than saying to her, Oh, I love your, I love your, I love how you look today. I love, you look so cool today. I'll say to her, um, 
I really love the way that you've chosen those colors. Yeah. You're so creative, you know, like the yeah. you're so you're so stylish the way that you can pick these different colors together that shows how creative you are. So, I'm giving her a compliment and it is kind of an appearance-based compliment, but actually what I'm complimenting is her talent and her creative her creativity. And I'll always back it up with something else that I love about her. So, it's not, you know, about the external, you know, mm. and for me, that's kind of, um, that's how I approach it. Um, there's, there's this idea that I, I, that, that, you know, appreciating like being into makeup or being into fashion or being into like jewelry or whatever is somehow at odds with having a positive body image. And I don't think it is because yeah, I agree fun. with you. Yeah, it's it fun, is. isn't it? Yeah, it you know, is. Some people do enjoy it. Some kids do enjoy it. Some kids don't and they're not bothered and that's totally cool. Yeah. But there's no like moral. I'm not interested in any kind of morality around that stuff or, saying that one way is a better way to be. You yeah. Know? Everything that you're saying is ringing so, so true with me. And I feel like I, you know, I come from um, a mother who, you know, amazing mother, fully supportive, definitely wouldn't have been doing my career if it hadn't been for her kind of like go get them attitude. And she was also a TV presenter in Australia and did all her thing, model. But what my mum did, I think, and what I'm really battling against, and I still battle with it now, is she put all or the majority of our worth was on how we looked as girls, you know. Oh, gosh, look at my beautiful daughter. She still does it now on Facebook. My beautiful daughter is, and I'm like, please stop saying that. Please stop saying, and like, I'm grateful that you think, well, I'm not grateful, actually. It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. So what I try and do with Luna now and with Isla, but obviously, you know, she has her mum to navigate that sort of stuff as well, is to, like you said, is to comment on how brave or clever or smart or funny or creative she is. Or I feel like I have such a job to get it right because as a result of all of that stuff that I was sort of conditioned with, I've definitely had real problems with my eating and my body image over the last 20 odd years, you know, and it's still, mm. still a battle. Sometimes I still have to check myself and go, no, no, this isn't what it is. It's, this is what it is. And just keep remembering that you are so much more than how you look. Um, mm. so I, I really do. Oh God, I've got to get it right. I want to get it right so badly for her. I really do. It makes me feel quite emotional because it's like it, there's yeah. just a really fine line between really fucking it up and getting it. And how do we know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> we'll be right back after the short break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So, welcome back. Uh, back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Where were we? 
Growing up, my mum and my nan were like huge role models in my life. My nan, they like neither of them have ever been had talks around diets or restricting eating or anything like that. It was just off. It was just never a discussion. It was just you know you just did what you you ate what you want to you wanted to eat and that was it. There was not there was nothing around diets. But um, when my mum was forty four, she had a heart attack, and I was seventeen at the time. And suddenly she came home from the hospital after being in hospital for a few weeks or whatever. And with all these diet sheets, what she needed to eat, what, you know, what, how much exercise she should be doing and all of that kind of thing. And it quickly made me realize that food and exercise is for your health. And then I, I kind of not became mm. obsessed with it, but I was suddenly like, oh my gosh, I've got this burden of this um, hereditary heart disease because yeah. my nan also had it and my dad. So, you know, everywhere there's high blood pressure, diabetes, all of these things. And I suddenly thought, right, I don't want that. I don't, mm. I, I don't want that. I want to be super healthy. I want to go to the gym. I want to eat right. I want to do all of these things. But over time, it's so easy to for those things to slip like a bit too far. So you kind of become obsessed with it. And even though it came from the right place, it did actually genuinely come from feeling of me being like, I don't want to get heart disease. <laughs> like I, I want to be healthy. And it's that's the still, line, isn't it? That's yeah, fine line, still, George. it, it, it mm. just some occasionally, you know, like maybe when I was 20, maybe tipped over the edge a little bit too far um, where I'd be like, oh my gosh, no, like anything that had fat in it, I'd be like, I just can see my arteries clogging up if I eat that, yeah. you know, and it wasn't was that about fear, though, George, was that fear yeah, course, around the, absolutely. Was your mum, you know, your mum had a heart attack at 44, was she healthy, yeah. was she a healthy person, were you, you I know? don't, do you know what I mean, I don't know, like my nan definitely, like, walked miles and miles every week had the best life like so much fun did yoga four days a week you'd think all of the right things but I never really looked at diet because yeah. we just ate <laughs> do you know what I mean we just we just all enjoyed food we all just I got well, you know we never ate fast food particularly but I don't know I don't know I, I, I just there was never any emphasis on it but I think it really sparked something in me, like mm. just look demonizing food, you know? Yes. Like fats. It was more the fats. I remember just look thinking looking at the fats and just seeing a clogged artery. And how like how do we how do stop mm. that from happening? Mm. But equally know that that is something that does happen. And you know, if you do just eat a load of fat, yeah, it will clog your arteries. Like it will. Like that's it's just Oh, it's such a tricky one, isn't it? Because mm. this is this is kind of the crux. I think we're kind of hitting now the crux of the matter. So yes. people want their kids to be healthy and have um, confidence and be happy. And no one likes the idea of their child feeling like their body is wrong. But we also have a really clear idea of what healthy is. And so people also sort of want their kids to be healthy and they want to promote, you know, eating veg, for example, and and exercising. And I think what we need to do is we need to, there's two different conversations happening here. So the first thing is like, what what is health to you? Like, what what do you think health is? How do we define health? So that's kind of the first thing. So let's look at how we define health. And then the second thing is kind of really separating um, health behaviours from the idea that we can kind of control 
our health because with all the best will in the world, like you can go to the gym every day, you can eat kale every day. That is not going to be a guarantee that you're not going to get a disease or you're not that you're going to live, you know, yep. until you're 90. Because unfortunately, I mean, some people find this this fact liberating and some people find it frightening. Unfortunately, there are so many things that impact our health that we just don't have any control over. So Mm -hmm. for example, genetics. So if you do have a history of heart disease, for example, in your family, um, that's, that's kind of, you know, that that's a genetic thing. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that you can do in your lifestyle to kind of, you know, um, look after your body. But there is obviously an element there that's already built in. So if we look at weight, yeah, there are over a hundred different factors that influence our weight and our body shape. And lots of people don't know this because lots of people, the kind of common narrative is that the only thing that impacts our weight and our shape is what we eat and how much we move our body. Mm. But actually, even if we all ate exactly the same and we all moved our body in exactly the same way, we would all still have different types of bodies because body diversity is a thing. We're a human species. We're not all meant to look the same. Um, But also the mind and the body don't exist separately. And the way that we talk about health often kind of thinks about mental health as a separate thing from physical health. But actually our brain works as part of our body. So we know, for example, that things like trauma, emotional stress, they have a real physical impact on our body. So when it comes to things like weight stigma, you know, anti-fat bias, kids being, how that plays out for kids is kids being bullied in the playground. Yeah. So we know that like kids who are in higher weight bodies are 63% more likely to be bullied at school. So just that very act of, of being picked on at school, being treated differently by peers, being we you know weight bias can also show up with teachers you know not being picked when they put their hand up or a kid not putting their hand up or feeling in some way their body's wrong or being put on a diet by their parents or being made to feel like they're not good enough that's traumatic and that trauma on its own has a physical impact on the body raises cortisol levels which is bad bad for our body it's bad you know physically it's bad for us so all of these different these different things like actually impact our health in a way that have nothing to do with the food that we eat and and you know the way that we move our body. So I what I'm not saying is that okay we can just like sit on the sofa all day and eat donuts all day if we want to be you know looking after our body. I'm not saying that. But actually if we can kind of take the pressure off a little bit and know that that eat you know it's it's not all on us to be this idea of personal responsibility. Yeah. There are so many things, you know, the, the society, systemic oppression, like, you know, looking at, you know, our income, you know, our access to engaging with these behaviours for so many people, they, it, it's, it's much harder, you know, organic kale from Waitrose is expensive, you know, yes. if you're getting most of your food from a food bank or you're living in a really low income family, you don't have access to these things. So, I think also that the kind of to take another step back is that we know that people who have positive body image, so kids particularly who have positive body image, and when I'm talking about positive body image, do you remember how just before I talked about body appreciation? So mm. appreciating what their body can do yes, and feeling at home and enjoying the experience of how their body feels, yeah? We know that kids who have that are more likely to treat their body in a way that's kind of looking after their body. So 
if you define health as movement and food, so it might be that they're more likely to engage in movement. It might be that they're more likely to eat a wider range of foods. But health isn't just about what we eat. Our health no. behaviours aren't just about food and, and about how much we move our body. They're also about how much sleep we're getting. What are our boundaries around social media? How much time are we spending outdoors? How are we connecting with our friends? Because all yeah. of these things have a huge impact on our health as well, but they're often left out of the conversation because yeah. they're harder to kind of package up in a pretty little box and sell back to us. So I think it's sort of about being really compassionate with ourselves as parents and recognizing that a lot of the way that we think about health nowadays is coming from an industry that is trying to sell something to us. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, go back to the nineties diet culture. It's kind of obvious. Yeah. Like the front pages of magazines, you know, cabbage you know diet. They, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Cabbage diet or Atkins diet or whatever it was. It was just by Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so like that, that was always my favorite. I used to be yeah. like, yeah. It's so obvious, isn't it? Or like influencers <laughs> selling, you know, teas laced with laxatives or, oh, I don't gosh. know, appetite suppressant lollipops. So all of this kind of stuff is really obvious diet culture. But actually what diet culture does is it morphs and it changes. And it's often so normalized and sneaky that we're kind of swimming in it without realizing that it's all around us. So what diet culture has has kind of now done is it's morphed into the way that we talk about health and it's morphed into kind of public health policies saying, you know, putting calories on menus, for example, you know, and actually this is all part of this idea that's upholding that some bodies are good bodies and some bodies are bad bodies and you're a better, more worthwhile, more worthy, more successful, more responsible citizen if you look a certain way because it's telling us that health looks a certain way. But it so doesn't. It would be, so but it would be really amazing if we had, because we all want, like you said, Molly, we all want our children and ourselves to be healthy. Mm. And and that doesn't, for me, come, like you said, packaged in a pretty little box and looks a certain way. That, for me, is an understanding around exercising for fun, for the endorphins, to feel good, not about looking good, because I think, you know, I did that for too long. And Georgia, I think you're probably in that box as well. We're like, oh, I've got to exercise because I've got to look a certain way. Now I, I say to the kids, you know, why do we exercise? And they go, for fun, because it feels good. And like, we're already chanting that in kids three and he get, you know, hopefully that's yeah. the right message. But really health like for me and I don't know I'll ask you this question it doesn't matter what you look like remotely but if you feel good and you know look, we all have cheat days where we'll we'll consume you know the things that maybe aren't right for us but that, you know whatever I have my cheat days and that's fine I'm okay with that but being healthy we have to be able to want to look after ourselves and that and and, and whatever that looks like to you it's very hard when you've been conditioned and brought up a certain way and maybe the education isn't there around certain foods and certain exercises and stuff and then you're supposed to break that. It's very difficult, Molly, would you agree, to like yeah, understand how to is. do that from an early age? Definitely. Um, and, and it is. And that's why that's one of the reasons that I wrote my book because I want to reframe the way that we're talking about health with kids. You know, mm. little kids in school, are a really common exercise that's happening in school when they're talking about food is um, they'll be given like a plate, a picture of a plate mm. and they have to sort the healthy food into one pile on the plate. My son's literally just food. done this. Yeah. He's literally just just done this exercise yeah. because wow. he, was he was telling me about it. It's a really common one. 
and it's really damaging unfortunately and actually if if uh, if nutritionists if if the educators got their information from nutritionists and kind of food education experts they wouldn't be doing these kind of activities in school these are made up by adults who think that they know all about you know healthy eating and and food but they don't necessarily have like the qualifications in that specific area Mm. so actually when we're talking about food um it, there's a lot of evidence to show that being totally taking a neutral approach with food is actually much more beneficial to raising kids who have a healthy relationship with food. So that isn't necessarily that's not telling kids that all food has the same nutritional value because it doesn't. Yeah. You know, a donut has different nutritional value to, you know, a, a lettuce. But it's just kind of taking the morality away from food, not calling some food good food and some food bad food. Food is food and all food has a place, all foods fit, all food has a place in in our diet somewhere because food isn't just about fueling our body. It's also about connection with our family, happy memories, um, celebrating our community, celebrating our culture and our identity, learning new skills, cooking, you know, exploring, um, being creative, like food is about all of these things. And when we teach really little kids that some food is good food and some food is bad food, they can essentially learn that the, uh, this idea that they can control everything about their health just by what they eat, which we yeah. kind of know isn't the case, but also they can become really fixated. So they can either develop a fear of certain foods or they can want the foods. The irony of this is that sometimes they can want the foods that we don't want them to have. It just gives that food even more power. You know, it makes it eat, makes it kind of locking it, it in a exciting. cupboard. Exactly. Yeah. It makes it even more exciting. And so when they do the few occasions they get access to that type of food, you know, sweets or chocolate, they can't handle themselves around it. And they will tend to kind of binge in that kind of binge restrict mentality that anyone who's ever done a diet and not allowed themselves carbs Mm. and then kind of fallen, quote unquote, fallen off the the wagon. Like you, we've all experienced that kind of like desperation of like, you know, eating that kind of food because we don't know when we're going to be allowed it again. Kids are the same. So actually taking a really neutral approach to food and and bodies and exercise and moving the the focus away from kind of morality um and and with exercise moving the focus away from it being as something that we should do yes. even even it even something that we should do to to because it's fun like often with my kids like we don't even call it exercise or we don't even if we're going to go out for a walk or go out for a bike ride or um I don't know have a like a, a kitchen disco it won't be like right we're going to do some exercise now it'll just be like we're going to do something fun. You know, we're going to, yeah. we're, we're going to go out for a walk. I often won't even say that we're doing this because, you know, we need to keep our bodies fit and healthy. It will be like, right, we're going to have a family adventure. We're going to go and explore. We're going to have some family bonding time. You know, we're going to have some time outside, see some new things you, away, you know, rather than like, oh, we're doing this because we have to move our body. You know, but isn't it important? That. To, mm, I, I do, I, I sort of, I kind of agree and kind of disagree because I've been brought up with exercise and I know how much yeah. enjoyment I've got from, you know, competing in sports and rounders. And, and that was because I loved the sport and I loved the exercise and I also loved, you know, the, the competition element. And it was a big part of my upbringing. But then I guess I had quite an unhealthy relationship with exercise in my 20s. So you could say, well, was that as a result of X, Y and Z? I guess we don't know. But I don't know if I agree with not giving exercise a label because... 
why shouldn't exercise, if it's done in the right way, be something that we promote? I don't think it's necessarily about kind of one or the other. I don't think it's right. I because I love I I love movement. I love exercise. Mm. I love going to the gym. But the irony for me is that I really discovered a real love of it once I opted opted out of diet culture and I Got really you. tuned into how it made me feel. Mm. I think that all kids are different, so we can't kind of say that one rule is necessarily one approach is going to work for everyone. But what we know is that when we talk about exercise in a certain way about it, it kind of being something, if we, with anything, if we, if we, what can happen with some kids is that if we talk about having to do something, like it becomes something that we have to do, it can become as like something that, oh, you have to tidy your room. You have to brush your teeth. We have to do exercise if we can promote you know how is this going to make us feel yes what are the benefits of this um and when I'm talking about benefits um it doesn't it's not the benefits aren't that we are automatically gonna you know get big muscles because actually there's also research to show that if we focus on the intrinsic motivators of exercise so how it makes us feel um you know it's really good for our brain health it's really good for our bone health it's really good for self-esteem sports you know some kids are really sporty and they my little one is really sporty and it can be a great way to bond with other kids it can be a great way to learn new skills increase stamina and strength those are all intrinsic motivators but what is happening now the way that often that we talk about exercise it becomes muddied up with this idea of like having to look a certain way so it's the idea that healthy looks a certain way and so what that what that can happen it can mean it puts some kids off ironically it can put some kids off movement and exercise and they're more likely to skip sports and PE it can show some kids that movement isn't for everyone so if they have a if they're not sporty naturally Mm. or if they have a body that doesn't fit that kind of athletic ideal they can think oh well that's not for me I'm just going to sit out of PE, you know? So we know that kids who feel bad about their body are more likely to skip sports and PE. So actually, if we want to make it inclusive and we want all kids to get involved, we need to show them a wider representation that athletes come in all different shapes and sizes but also let's give them access to loads of different types of movement because some kids will really love football and netball and some kids just don't like that stuff you know and that's okay there's other forms of movement totally for all of us totally agree I totally agree with that on the point of you know not labeling exercise I like just I just think I was just thinking about in our house I always focus on oh mummy's mummy's gonna do her exercise because I just want to feel good like I say that I just want to feel good and obviously that is uh I've got Amazing. to because I want to feel good right but then I, am I doing that thing of I have to do it because I do have to do it like I actually do, and there are some things in life that you have to do. Why right? do you, you have, have to, to go? Do to, what do you mean you, you have, have to, to go it? to sleep? Well, I have to because otherwise I'll feel rubbish. Well, well, I have that's to different. go to sleep. Yeah, I have to go to sleep because otherwise I'll feel rubbish. So yeah, I don't know. And then say, for instance, my husband he um, plays sport for his job. So sometimes when um, Axel, especially at the moment, he'll say, "What? Well, why is Daddy? Why is Daddy doing that?" And I'm like, "Because he has to stay fit." But then I'm saying he has to do that because, but he does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess if it's your job, I mean, that's a whole other thing. It's a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of, it's a bit of a one, isn't it? I guess, um, 
the the thing that I'm really into is intuitive movement and intuitive eating because for me that comes from a place of really connecting with how your body feels um, and being really kind of in tune with your body so this is something that I constantly have to work on for example um, I I know that if I get up early every day I have a better day because I like yep. it. I'm a morning person. Yep. Used to work on breakfast radio, and like my like my body clock is tuned to be up early. So I know if I get up earlier, I have a better day. I know that if I go, I know if I go for a swim first thing in the morning, I have a better day because it makes me feel good. I don't always feel like doing it in that moment yep. when I wake up, but I know it makes me feel good. But one thing I've had to really watch with myself is that there are some days when I can't do that because I actually. I need to sleep in a bit longer because I've had a really late night or sometimes, I mean, like for recently, like I have, I have my period and I just don't feel like it, you know, and I'm yeah. really tired and actually my body needs to rest because rest is really important as well. Um, and that is hard for me because even though I'm not moving my body in a way that like trying to keep my body, you know, in, in shape, quote unquote, you know, to do it for an aesthetic goal, it's still little bit in my head like oh it's something that I have to do so when I don't do it I can sometimes feel like a bit guilty or like oh I've let myself down I failed at self-care I'm not doing it right you know and and kind of I feel like I'll beat myself up a bit yeah I do I do um and actually with intuitive movement it's about being a bit more compassionate and taking a step back and recognizing that even if I don't go for a swim that day <laughs> or go to the gym or go for a walk or a bike ride, whatever it is that I've planned, set myself to do, like in the whole scheme of things, what do we want? We want we want long-term, consistent, joyful relationship with movement and exercise. As soon as it becomes something that I feel I have to force myself to do because I have to do it, I'm skating on dangerously thin ice, going back to those days where I had to get up at six in the morning to do yeah. a HIIT workout in my you know postpartum tired exhausted body actually what my body needed in those days was more rest and I didn't need to be doing HIIT workouts I needed to be going for a walk outside on my own with without a baby like for half an hour because that was what my headspace needed that was what my health that would have been healthy for me at the time so I guess um I really like this kind of concept of intuitive movement um, or joyful movement like often the way that we frame it with kids is kind of joyful movement because it's joyful and it feels yeah. positive or I want to yeah, I, yeah. I want I want to I want to go for a run I want yeah. to so I like love maybe running. it's that yeah yes. maybe, maybe yeah. it's saying that instead of I need to good. exercise because it makes me feel good maybe it's I'm going for a run because I really want to yeah I'm I'm gonna do this exercise because I really want to yeah I mean yeah. even if your brain's yeah. not saying that just yeah. in front of your children um yeah, yeah and okay. and yeah just being I think just being really matter of fact about it and the same with food like I'm gonna eat this I'm eating a salad today because actually I'm choosing to eat a salad because that's what I fancy but yeah. you know later on I might choose to eat a chocolate bar and that's a you know that's just it's just being totally neutral taking mm. taking the morality and what and 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 sort of um that kind of sense of that having to do something taking that away from it and ultimately tuning in to living in the experience of what your body feels like you know Mm. what does your body tell you in this moment that it wants what do you what does it need what is going to make you feel good you know and then recognizing that we do this stuff because it makes us feel good not because it makes us look a certain way because actually that isn't healthy 
you know? No. And that is the big lesson. And I guess on a sort of parting <laughs> note, Molly, what is the one thing that we should take from this conversation and impart on our kids around this subject? I think one of the most powerful things that we can do when it comes to body image is, I mean, I could like trot off a load of phrases like all bodies are good bodies and, you know, teaching kids that their body is their own, you know, and they're the masters of their body. And that's all like really important to do. And I believe that stuff. But I think that really, like, if we're going to get really deep and kind of actually think about our own behaviours around this stuff as well is take a really holistic view of health you know, take a holistic view and realize that health behaviors aren't just about what we eat and how much we move our body, but let's look at stress and sleep and rest and social connection and recognize that our mental health and our physical health aren't separate. And I think that if we start doing this more as a society, like as well as in our own homes, but also at school and, you know, in in wider society, what we're going to end up with is kids who actually are empowered to properly look after their health in a positive way that's not mm-hmm. going to be damaging to their body image or, you know, the way, you know, leading them down a path of disordered eating. But I think that also we're going to end up raising kids who are actually more kind and accepting of other people whose bodies don't look or function like their own. Yep. And that's what I want. I don't just want to raise kids who are healthy and happy and have high self-esteem. I want to raise kids who are good people who yes. treat other people the way that, that you know, I would be proud for them to treat people, you know, with self-esteem and kindness and compassion, regardless of what they look like, doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Oh, Molly! That was so <laughs> wonderful, thank you. <laughs> what an amazing conversation. My mind is like, just <laughs> bubbling. Aren't we lucky, George, to do these chats? Because every I know, time that's we have all these thinking. conversations, I just learn so much. Thank that's you, it. Molly. I was literally thinking that throughout the whole chat, we're so lucky to yeah. be doing this and taking, you know, we we call it work it's not work it's kind of educating ourselves for a couple Always. of hours every week and making us think about things that we maybe wouldn't have um yeah. so thank yeah you. thank you so much thank oh, you thank you both thank will you for come back me. on will you do a q yeah, a with us course. so we can we ask, them, that. ask them to, yeah questions okay brilliant all right thank molly you. lots of love thank you so much thank you bye bye literally scribbling notes as we were going through that podcast <laughs> about like yes say this maybe say it like this don't say it like that I mean <sighs> wow what a woman that was one of those chats where I could have literally just sat back not said a word yeah and this and just listened and just kind of absorbed it all because it it's that you know there were things in there that we've we've said you know you said I don't necessarily agree with like labeling mm. exercise for mm. instance yeah I you know I do it but and I was kind of trying to show how how would I not label it? Because mm. if I just randomly roll out a workout mat in the room, get some weights. Um, what do I say I'm doing? What do I say I'm doing if it's not, oh, I'm exercising because, it, you know what? I'm exercising because it makes me feel good. Yeah, and I do say that. And Axel will be like, yeah, mummy exercises because it makes her feel good. Um, but I am still labelling exercise. Same with James. He doesn't always feel like going for a 5k run at, at like 7 o'clock in the morning or, you know, spending hours doing like weird stretches. But he has to because it's his job. Yes. And that's the way his body needs to function. Yeah. So I think there is that thing of functionality um, and like teaching kids, I guess, how to get the best function from their body. That's what she was saying, wasn't it? That was what she was saying in a way, wasn't it, about 
which I really liked. It wasn't about, um, you know, how the body looks. It was about what mm. the body can do. And I'm and always fascinated and how it functions exactly. And I, I think that's a really important message. That's a message that I, you know, you look at, you only have to look at kind of people that, you know, gymnasts or, you know, athletes or, and it's just like the way that you can get your body, I guess, to perform and to and to and to be the best it can be without having any having any hang-ups around it you know yeah and also like as in function not to play sport or function to do anything but to function to feel good because ultimately that's what we all want isn't it we we all want to feel good and I know for myself that if I don't exercise I feel foggy I know that like I know that about myself yeah and I know that if I I don't know have a few days of you know when you move house those kinds of those times where you just have to eat takeaways that you have to there there is no option like you do you've just got to dig in I feel a bit like a bit yucky (laughs) also Um, you just move bloody house. I've got, I've got that. I've, yeah. got, I've got that coming up in ten yeah, days' time. I know. We'll that's why I on that it. on the next <laughs> podcast. Um, but also, I don't know. I, I agreed with. I say ninety percent of what you were saying. I didn't necessarily agree with that all foods um, are on the table because I, I look at some of the kind of fast foods and I look at some of the you know ready meals and the salt that's in those foods and stuff. And I think there should be a little bit more education around that. Yeah. But the rest of it, Molly Forbes for me absolute oh gosh amazing and Mm. you know what I was thinking about that the salt thing and the ready meal thing and I guess the whole intuitive eating yes when you really get in tune with how foods make you feel you wouldn't pick those things anyway I guess yeah like, totally, totally you wouldn't true. you wouldn't pick a ready meal because it, yeah eventually you wouldn't feel that great eating it yeah um and right. it wouldn't, yeah, yeah. I guess maybe that's what it was. I was trying, I was like, like I, was li- I was thinking about that point, um, and yeah, like you can't. I mean, Gigi, if I let her, would just raid the flipping pick a mix jar at six a.m. in the morning, and she'd I mean, just I would sit too, there. And to it. be fair, <laughs> so so <annoying. laughs> so but nice. Hopefully, after doing that for a few days, she might think, oh yeah, I feel a bit sick. <laughs> <laughs> no more pick mix, please. Yeah. Um, now, listen, as always, we would absolutely love you to rate, review, subscribe and follow the podcast. Um, and please, if you do have time to give us a little um, rating, a little five star rating would be lovely. But whatever you feel, um, that would be so great as well, because that helps us kind of spread the Made by Mama's podcast word. Yeah, absolutely. And do tag us in your photos. We love to see you listening where you're listening, on your walks, on holiday, some lucky people. Um, And if you do have any suggestions or feedback on any of the chats, then our DMs are always open. Just drop us a message at Made by Mummers or on Zoe's channel at Zoe Hardman. And we will be back on Friday. See you then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.